That's interesting. So, so you're saying that in a way, everything, every rock, memory, every rock has a story about how it got to here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's another interesting thing because it becomes when you get used to living with a field of stones, you they become mini mapping zones. Like so, you'll start to see like that in between this area. There's a certain kind of thing that grows. That's different from that area. Yeah. So it's almost like a scale model of valleys. Mm -hmm. yeah. And where where uh, I can imagine that you know, at, at one edge facing here gets more something. Some edge facing there gets something else. But this is such a metaphor, right? Fly over <laughs> and a regenerated floodplain. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And also. And that's. Um, India, they're browning everything under that now. I think it's development. Yeah. So yes. India's right. screaming for undevelopment. Right. And and it's like um, the world is running out of the sand that they use to make concrete. Yes. And concrete is this like assumed cheap, capable material of infrastructure. And so with Asia kind of pushing at being modernized at the same moment that the rest of the world is questioning how do we counter extinction? Yeah. It's like so it's, a, it's that meeting is the place. Yeah. yeah. I'd send you a piece I just did. You know. Your guy in the White House <laughs> is putting detention camps on the border. That's right. Our fellow's putting detention camps all over the country and has created this whole fake idea of citizenship, which has never existed in here, and a compulsory registration, etc., which has put everyone on the streets. There are protests everywhere, especially the Muslims, because he's targeting them. So I wrote a piece inspired by our national anthem called it Growing Gardens of Diversity, Weaving Garlands of Love. Because our national anthem has, people came from around the world and wove garlands of love in India. And this guy saying, no, we'll decide who's legitimate and who's illegitimate, you know? So I'll send that to you. Okay. Yeah. And do you, did you deliver that talk in India? No, it's not a talk. Okay. It's my reflections yeah, on yes. our time. Yeah. Okay. And the violence of the state. Mm -hmm. And uh, and why, from where are people re responding? People don't know the history that I've written. Yeah. But it's in their deep soul. What do you think so, is coming up spiritually that there's so much um, othering of people? What are the, what is my the reading is that. Maybe we can talk about yes, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We're gonna have a converse we're gonna have a conversation about othering. <laughs> yes. There's one. What's all this? I have a collection of honey from war torn countries around the world. So since uh, since two thousand and five I've been interested in the relationship between the disappearance of bees and warfare and I use internet chat rooms to get in touch with different beekeepers from regions that are experiencing both contexts the disappearance mm -hmm. of bees and actual warfare mm -hmm. and so I've asked for those beekeepers that I have ongoing dialogues with to send me samples um, and this is specifically the collection from Latin America 
and I have a, a Middle East collection. And how does it come through your sanitary and phytosanitary it control? It can only come in in a um, smaller than a milk container thing as a sample. You can't oh. send like a bulk supply, so yeah. I tend to decant all of it mm -hmm. from a specific place that can uh -huh. send incrementally. Uh -huh. And this this particular collection is oxidizing, I think, with the air around uh -huh. it to a similar color. So I put beeswax on the top oh, of it to seal yeah. it off because mm -hmm. we know that honey is metabolically stable; like it won't disintegrate, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it does change color over time, oh. <laughs> somewhat. Uh -huh. wow. So, yeah, lovely. In, in mythology, there's all of these stories about how bees create the end of warfare by disappearing. Mm -hmm. So I thought to go along with this idea that bees are disappearing because of our aggression towards them with Monsanto and pesticides, mm -hmm. there's also a higher order that's also at play, mm -hmm. which is are they disappearing or are they disappearing from us? Mm -hmm. like, you know, we don't know yeah. everything about bees. They're capable of going into crevices of hills and, mm -hmm. and mountains. And, and so mythologically, like in Sanskrit, uh, I had found a passage about warfare and the disappearance of bees. And I found the same in um, Egyptian writing and Greek writing really? that, that bees have this higher intelligence that mm -hmm. they can stop men from fighting by creating famine. That's... Famine is a great way to stop war. The ladies really tend controlling half the well. Dropped to 159 in 2012, 62 in 2016, 8 in 2017, and 2018 when I looked at the Forbes list, it was 5. And then they've reorganized the whole corporate world because they've created investment banks where the billions can make money by the second through these exchange traded funds, you know. Every minute they're betting. And they're betting both on where they can make more money, and they can make more money on pesticides, GMOs, than they can by letting the bees do their work. And they can make more money through creating more risk. Risk actually is an asset. So the more up and down, the more their funding trade elaborates. And the two big ones that got created after the 2008 crisis, yeah? Everyone's looking at Wall Street, but that's not where the financial control is. It moved to BlackRock and Vanguard. So, you know, I've just done a book. It's called Oneness Versus the One Percent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and it, it was really trying to make sense of both the concentration of, uh, of economic power, appropriation is justified, you know? <laughs> FinTech, AgTech, Biotech, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you're not supposed to ask any question. This is how fast they grew. Wow. What, what's Vanguard, the period of time? Yeah. Then, hmm? What's the period of time? 2008. From 2008. Yeah. When the economy was collapsing, mm -hmm. they were growing. Yeah. Yeah. When people were going homeless, they were growing, yeah? And, uh, and basically, this book started because Bayer had bought Monsanto, mm -hmm. and Bill Gates was strutting around with heads of state. I said, something's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the Paris yeah. meetings, he was on the street, oh, him God. and Zuckerberg. And they were telling 
the leaders what should be done on climate. And then Bio was bought, I said, okay, who's owning whom? And my, my son did a lot of the research. These guys, the billionaires have money there, they own every corporation. Could be Coca-Cola, could be water privatization, could be seed, could be anything at all. So basically what, in terms of the othering, all of this came out of Hitler's labs, as I've written so often. But at Hitler's labs, Hitler's labs were not just the experiment on how to make chemicals to kill people, which then became chemicals to kill the bees, became the chemicals to create the sixth mass extinction. But it was an experiment on establishing supremacy and othering. But othering so severe that you could wipe them out. And then that came into our species relations also. Mm-hmm. began with people in the concentration camps. So the concentration camp became, and the chemicals used in the concentration camp, in my view, are both the metaphor and organizing principle to understand our times. Yeah. So why is there so much othering happen? Because these guys, people rise, you know. You throw people out of work, they'll protest. You throw teachers out of work, they'll organize. You start to make farming so difficult. You know, I've worked with farmers, 500,000 rallies, 200,000 rallies, marches everywhere. That is how people try and get their voice heard and their rights asserted. So as you said, Oren, they can see they've created total scarcity in the planet. And at this point of time, on the one hand, there is all the world views, you know, all the regeneration that's happening at Navdanya. And I brought the fly of Friends of Navdanya, mm-hmm. yeah, Mary's details. <clears throat> and our little school, which is also a little regeneration initiative, and the courses mm-hmm. we offer there. And mm-hmm. we should have some kind of a partnership we should, between for metabolic sure. and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's one, I'll just call them the one person, they're actually five, no? They are seeing the alternatives grow and people resonating. Resonating with the fact that from below concrete, life can emerge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah? And my reading of this is they are scared of life. Yes. yes. In freedom. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's why this urge to extinguish comes from that fear. Yeah? So that's why they're so aggressive. I mean, Mary was with me. Yeah. You know, I've been to two universities on this tour. <laughs> All of these Monsanto lobbyists mm-hmm. were writing to the president, the chancellor, the students, to everyone. How mm-hmm. can you call her? Mm-hmm. She's called chemical fertilizers weapons of mass destruction, but they are. Trying so hard to disinvite me, but they are panicking. And not because. We've done anything more than say, biodiversity creates abundance. The soil can live if you get the chemicals and fertilizers and pesticides off the the killing. So what what is the fear of life and fear of cultures that nourish life? Mm -hmm. But there's also the urge to do the next step. 
Yeah. So chemicals were the first step in agriculture, and then the GMOs were the next step. And now this convergence of the fintech, the finance. I show you this. We just get this. Because they're coming to India in a very big, India's the lab. So if you are the lab for regeneration, India as a country is the lab for the next step of colonization. And this is their dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're working yeah. on ro artificial yeah. intelligence and robotics yeah. is the way farming will be done. We don't need farmers. And when I see in this country, I see the farms, they're not farms anymore because you're not letting the earth do her work. And then you're having to need people to work in such bad circumstances that you have to exploit them. You know, the whole story we've received on this tip is exploitation of farm workers. Well, the point is they're farm workers here because you destroy their farms in their home countries. You know, you created an invasion of their land and in a way they're homeless people. You know? And that's a solidarity that would be a very powerful solidarity between the homeless created by stealing jobs and the whole homeless created by stealing farming. And the huge migration then is something they, they know will happen, they know they're making it happen. But they want all of that land and they want all the agriculture here. So their next step is how do you control the vitals of nature and the vitals of society, the water, the seed, the food, the education. You control those vitals through the next step of intensification of external control, which for them is the summary word of technology as if there aren't other ways. That to me is art and technology together, you know? Mm -hmm. the, because the technology in nature and, and humans work together. And for them, technology is only where humans are at war with nature. Yeah. You know, technologies of co-creation yeah. are not technologies in their vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So just yesterday, Bill Gates has announced Ag One, and my mind is no. bursting with saying, this is white supremacy on hormones, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. As if people haven't farmed before. Mm -hmm. and, he, <laughs> no, and he's taking his Ag One to St. Louis, oh, Jesus Christ. to tell the world how to farm, to benefit the smallholder, whose genocide he's writing in his projects, right? Production of alternatives, both alternative ways of thinking, but alternative ways of growing food, alternative relationships with nature have to be exterminated. But then the people you leave redundant have to be exterminated. But more than that, those who rise to say no, we will not accept it. Yeah. So in India, this whole artificial citizenship discussion has been created. And we are a society where someone, someone was wearing Earth Patriot you know? Yes. And I see us as Earth citizens. You know, the Earth gives us our citizenship of being part of the Earth. So I did a book called Earth Democracy earlier, articulating this philosophy. But they want the Earth's resources. They don't want to care for the Earth. They want the resources of the Earth. And they know if A, there are large numbers of poor people, part of the public resources will have to go to feeding them. Concentration camps, a new identity, a new citizenship is in a way 
Hitler's Germany on a national scale, mm. or on a global scale, on a planetary scale. And, uh, and they begin with the most vulnerable. Yeah? So here they begin with the migrants from Latin America. In India, they begin with the Muslims who did not leave the land that was left after partition divided Pakistan as a Muslim state. But there were Muslims who said, we are, we are from, of this land, we are not going to be divided. And, uh, and, and they're amazing women, young women. Yes, yesterday we were watching a video with three generations. And there's an older woman, her daughter, and her daughter's daughter. And saying, we've come together to know that even if our generation doesn't win this fight, all generations have to win this fight. Mm -hmm. That the land is for all, the earth is for all. So that then is the context. It's basically the context of working with nature, living with nature, being part of nature, and knowing that's where abundance comes from. And the idea of scarcity, which creates other link, because anyone else that you choose not to be part of your system is another. <coughs> and then there, initially concentration camps and then extermination, in my view, is what they're seeking. And that's our work, mm -hmm. to prevent this from getting too entrenched mm -hmm. before there are too many people. I mean, I read in your, I think three people have died in these ICE detention things. Mm -hmm. then, but in, in the in, in the Assam thing, I think thirty people have died. Yes, they're building detention centers in India, and I am absolutely convinced. You know, each of the crazies looks different. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we have a habit of thinking, oh, they're mad in un, unto themselves. No, you know, they are puppets picked with the same narrative. The narrative is tweaked slightly. So, the Muslims become the first target in India. But the tribals are already an invisible target. Mm -hmm. The small farmer is already someone you want to get off the land because you want to get there. They're trying to change land laws because they want these giant farms where the drones and the surveillance, you know, will do the work. And more spraying of pesticides and the way they say, we will be ecologically sustainable is if we first introduce pesticides where there's no pesticides. And then we will reduce it by 1% through this precision agriculture. And digital farming. That's the narrative of the next step. Yeah, it's amazing. So I, I think we are in, a, in an amazing moment of huge power of love and creativity and solidarity and uh, the possibility of total, the six mass extinction could include the human species very fast. Yeah. That humans could be exterminated at a faster rate by these designs than many other species mm -hmm. because it's so willed by uh, a group of people who are partners. Oh, there is one other element to this and I'm, it's my last chapter is on this. So they see protests rise and they know these protests, I mean look at it, it was a million people marching in Chile. Mm -hmm. It's about a million in Lebanon. You know, those are the numbers coming out in the streets and they're young people. They know the system isn't working for them. It's not bringing them anything. Mm -hmm. you know, the privileged ones are doing strikes on Friday. Mm -hmm. But the others are just out on the streets. Yeah. And so the other strategy is divide and rule. 
which was tried by the British in India. That's mm. how created they created the division between Muslims and Hindus. That's how they created a Pakistan in India. But the divide and rule, divide and rule, divide and rule is being very systematically organized mm-hmm. so that the 1%, you know, instead of sharing the planet with all beings and with all human beings, the 1% wants all of it, including areas of life that was never their control. Like, see, the a reason I started Navdanya and started to save seeds is 87 meeting, they said, we now have to own life, we have to own the seed. So no farmer has their own seed, so they have to buy seed from us. Mm-hmm. I said, that's dictatorship. You know? We save seeds. Mm-hmm. Water. We've had to fight so many cases of water privatization. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of you are aware. Bolivia. Mm-hmm. You know, World Bank, Bechtel, privatized the water. <coughs> and then when people couldn't afford to pay for water connections, they started rooftop harvesting. Bechtel sued them and said even the rain how long yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And now it's um, having polluted the atmosphere. They want to continue to own life now through digital mapping. That's what Gates is about. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do an art project with you on Gates and his. <laughs> but so they want to map the world digitally and own it through digital mapping. Yeah. So earlier they used to steal it through genetic engineering, now they don't want to have to go through the border. <laughs> yeah? they, have, they have factories where they're computers and they're being fed with the genetic material. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the map and they're taking a patent. They're just doing the genomic map and taking out. They have no idea what the seed is. They have no idea what it does in its habitat. They have no idea of the living seed, but they have the map. And the map has always been the way of conquest, no? Mm-hmm. Always the way of conquest. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> the next step is one, own life through digital, which is where the digital agriculture comes in. But the other is own the functions of life for recycling carbon. So BlackRock is big in carbon trading. and one of our big works now is, you know, we've built up, I mean, I'll just share with you, you I love the, the tables there. <laughs> Which one is this? In this one. So we did a 20-year study on the soils of our valley comparing chemical and organic. And I won't give you details now while we talk. But on everything, yeah, the chemical is negative. Mm-hmm. Whether it's fungi or bacteria, and the organic is just exploding. Yeah, just exploding. <laughs> and, uh, and even on the minerals, we couldn't believe it. The scientist who did this work for us was in the government lab. He couldn't believe how the miracle of abundance can take place. So the, you know, in chemical, the organic matter has gone down 14%. It's increased 29 to 99% in the organic farms. And nitrogen, where they're applying lots and yeah. lots of urea, throwing the pellets. And I've seen advertisements when this was introduced. They said, why are you working with cow dung? It's dirty. Here is beautiful white pellet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's because granulates like white sugar. You know? yeah. It's clean. Oh, goodness. 
it's gone um, down 22%. It's gone up on our farms 100%. Wow. And then all the minerals. But the data on, uh, on the fungi and bacteria, I mean, he, he said, I had no idea. He's an expert on all this. But he's never worked in the comparison. Yeah. So the fungi has increased 6 to 36 fold. Wow. Oh, and the beneficial bacteria mm-hmm. 1.6 to 6.2 fold. Mm-hmm. The variation is because there were different crops on different lands and uh-huh. different farmers do different things. So they now want to own these functions. <laughs> you know? And uh, there's something called reduced defo- deforestation or something, something. Mm-hmm. You might have come across it because Latin America, they're big. Yes that we'll own the forest for the carbon absorption it did, does. Mm. But therefore, we have to displace the indigenous people from this forest, right. you know? Yeah. And the people are saying, no, you can't own the forest. On the soil, BlackRock is wanting to do trade in carbon. And they're saying, let the prices fall, because farmers shouldn't worry about what price they get for their cauliflower or their lettuce. Mm. They should think of how much by joining us they can bet on the price of carbon in Wall Street. You know? So they want to trade in everything. So their, their vision is really, they, it's at war with life. It's yeah. at war with life. But since human beings are part of life, and since the poor only make their living, you know, they have no capital, so their life comes of partnership. <coughs> That is where the concentration camp comes. The othering of the poor. But, but the poor will be the biggest number, but they'll attack them the last, because if they were to do this, this 1%, 99% becomes too visible to too many people. And uh, there is another element in this, that 20 years of neoliberalism created huge insecurities. I mean, in these 25 years, America lost all its manufacturing jobs. It's lost its small farmers because now, you know, it's only the giant farms, not owned by a giant landlord, but by the banks and the investment company. You know, farmers don't own the land. I think it's about 3% is in the hands of actual people. The rest is in the hand of the financial system who lease the land, back to the farmer who farmed that land and got into debt and couldn't pay the mortgage. And from what I remember, about 50% of the cost of farming is now paying for land lease. Yeah. So the outsourcing and destruction of work has created insecurity. Then all you need to do, you get a trump, and the Trumps come along. In the meantime, you had tech mining your data. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big area of work, Lauren, where you must come in, you know. So Facebook takes the communications, mines the data from your communications, which you do innocently because you're talking to friends. They mine the data and sell a bit of it to advertisers. So, you know, when I've talked about this, people say, oh, my God, that's why I have this thing. I talked about this one day before, mm-hmm. and suddenly the advertisements yeah. of this colored T-shirt started popping up on my, uh, my computer all the time. But the second they did is they mined it and sold it to these new 
artificial intelligence companies <coughs> like Cambridge Analytica, mm -hmm. who then identified othering and hate in the messages and targeted four groups for the last election. This is the 2016 election, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 2016. Mm -hmm. Hate of women, hate of blacks, hate of Muslims, and hate of migrants. And basically what you did was you took the insecurities of the person from an automobile factory who'd been thrown out and is sitting at home and receiving these messages. Or the small farmer who lost their land receiving these messages. They're ripe to find someone who took their work away or someone to hate. And so I say uh, that you know, the, the greed machinery has to have a companion of the political machinery of hate, and it finances it. That's why the Koch brothers were such big financiers, you know? So the millionaires are financing our elections. The millionaires are financing the divide and rule I thinking, the public relation. There must be huge advertising. We're such a small group sitting here. But then there must be 5,000 people thinking, oh, how do we divide? Right. How do we create the other? What will work in this society? Right. What are the messages we create? So we just have to be more creative in the work we do. We are dumb people. We, <laughs> we are of the earth here. And I, what you're saying is so moving. And what we have to work with is the soil and the dung and the people who are otherized. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. the source of what happens here. And the freedom that Lauren provides to us in asking us to shift the language we use to less biased terms opens doors in our minds and our conversations and our abilities to respond to these things mm -hmm. that is I, it's profound and, and I'm just grateful to be here and to be with these people, the dumb people. <laughs> and, and to hear you speak and, and to know that what you're doing is on behalf of the planet and the people of the planet. And the one percent hopefully take rockets and go away. They yeah. want to do that too. I know they want to do that too. I know they want to do that. And I'm saying let them go. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. You know, when, it was, when it was 62, I said, well, we do have buses of 62. You know? Yeah. We should just put them in a bus. Yeah. And uh, yeah. then it became five. And I said, oh my gosh, we could put yeah. them in a car. <laughs> yeah. But you know, from what you're saying, Lauren, I mean, over the years, I think one area of, of really powerful solidarity, I'd were given that your, the community comes here. But I notice again on my trip is if the local communities 
don't see their place in the larger world. Mm-hmm. They will again be manipulated to for division, mm-hmm. you know, because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. And I can just see an amazing work we do where, you know, we at Naftania uh, work both on the, on the way that, you know, that on the earth there is no other. You know, mm-hmm. on the earth, there are only co-creators in a web of life, mm-hmm. you know. And therefore, from the earth, recognizing there has to be all the place for all the bees and the butterflies and the become begins in our hearts and our heads. Yeah. And reversing it begins yeah. in our hearts and our heads, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people who internalize this linearity... Assume that, oh, it's going this way, therefore it'll keep going that way. No, but it only goes that way because the same people control the narrative and the, the, the design, you know? But I think if we were to do, we, we should do it as an ongoing project. It would be so powerful. I'm going to send you this essay I've written. If 20 um, film stars write a letter saying, this is not India, and we call on this law to be withdrawn, they're Im- immediately criminalized and then they're gangs are unleashed to tear down the posters of their films and you know oh, they're being bullied it, it's i mean one of the leaders has said yesterday anyone who's questioning this law of othering is a traitor because that's the other part of nationalism yeah mm-hmm. if you're not with me you're a traitor mm-hmm. if you're not one of my blind followers you're a traitor mm-hmm. and he said find the traitors and shoot them wow, wow. <sighs> yeah that's that's the discourse yeah and the point is, there are enough unemployed youth yeah. who are being paid to gang together. Yeah. And before you know it, someone will take a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even all the shootings of this country Oof. are part of that insecurity of, you know, it's mm-hmm. by people who, who've lost it, you know, they yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Except that they could buy a gun and go to a school and just shoot people. So I think it would be very powerful, you know, that there is no other on the earth and do biodiversity bees, pollinators, etc. We can do a scientific thing and your artwork and the other side, all the colors of the human being yes. and how they happen to have come to this land. Yes. You know, you, you're wearing Black Lives Matter. Well, the blacks came to this land for the cotton plantations. Mm-hmm. They had no reason to be here if there wasn't a cotton empire. You know, why did the indigenous people disappear from this land? The same... Empire needed the extermination. So can you imagine like you've done for the soil? If we were to do an installation of that kind with also contributions from other countries, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you'll, you, in that essay you'll see how at the same time when the British were writing laws to divide India in 1906, where they took Bengal. See, Bengal was the richest part of India. Yeah? Our soils were so rich because we could have four seasons mm-hmm. of cultivation mm-hmm. yeah we grew the indigo etc so they made that a plantation and then there were protests so they wanted to divide again on the base of religion so they just chopped up bengal into muslim bengal and hindu bengal and forced people to move the reason so much of the problem still exists is because of all the trauma of that time yeah, and uh, and then when the partition happened, what was the Bengal Muslim Bengal 
went to Pakistan. And then they had a war in 71 to liberate themselves, so then it became Bangladesh. Yeah? At that same time, the same empire which brought the blacks here, brought, uh, appropriated the land from the indigenous people, in South Africa was creating the divisions on race. Exactly the same time. Because they're sitting in London and they have maps. And so here's a colony, here's a colony, here's a colony, how do we control? It would be interesting to see what they were doing for this country in 1905, 1906. Yeah. And then Gandhi rose against the race laws, which are the same as laws of today. To make, you know, the other, at that time they were othering the Indians, who were the prosperous ones. And then they brought up Apartheid in 48. But if you look at it, all these confluences of past exploitations. You know, actually the victims of the past exploitation are the worst victims of today's externalization and othering. And the history then told as a history of we are one humanity on one planet would be a very, very powerful, also for the communities you work with, for them to know, this is how my ancestors came here, and this is how it's connected to South Africa. And if we could fight our apartheid then, we can fight the new apartheid. Yeah? So much to do. <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelming, it really is. You know, in, in, in just outside the door here where the train tracks are, um, we discover that underneath the train tracks, and the, the train tracks are the main artery line of trade throughout the continent of the United States. So the train outside connects to the port of Long Beach. So all of the goods and services from Asia that are going all across the country are traveling on the train right outside here. But underneath the train track are the payload pipes of ExxonMobil. So I didn't even know that, you know, when we build the pit to receive water from the LA River, we are going to be putting another pipe <laughs> into basically the new earth, the new ground here is landfill from other places surrounding a network of pipes which carry resources from faraway places to other faraway places past a forgotten location. Like we're talking inside a cheaply built storage warehouse at the edge of the edge of the industrial city. It's a throwaway location. <coughs> but historically, they built it on top of the floodplain of the Gabrielino Indians on what would have been the heart center to gather food and medicine. Mm-hmm. So if you just look at the microcosm, yeah. if you look at the microcosm of what we're sitting on, and even I, who've been working on this for 14, 15 years, if I can't see it or touch it, it's such an abstraction for me. But the reason I'm mentioning it is that the oil that's right under those tracks is part of the direct exploitation of the Amazon. It's not something that you read about on Facebook. It's outside here. Right? So, you know, when you talk, why do, like, I think to myself, why do we agree to kill each other when if you use that same impulse towards taking action, why don't you just disarm the oil pipes? Yes. Like, what, what, what would it take to harness that rage towards a more productive 
future and to use the same strategies of, you know, you can't pinpoint, even though it's only five, you can't attack them because their apparatus is so diversified. And it reaches our lives in that very diversified way. Where is the resistance culture which enables the dismantling strategy because there are people, we met people driving around trucks in the river. We said to them, you know, hey, what are you doing? Their job is to drive up and, they're paid by Exxon to drive up and down the 51 miles of the river where the payload pipe is going because the unhoused community has figured out that if they damage the pipe and call in, they get a reward for telling Exxon that there's a, So they are incentivizing the unhoused community to create damage Mm. so that people will come and look around. Well, now that you know, you know, it's like, okay, like part of me is going, okay, well, how do you create the dismantling operation then? You know, it's just an example. I'm not suggesting we take apart ExxonMobil, but... No, we must also at some point. I you know, for me, it's... But how do we breathe without the Amazon? It's not... That's what I mean. It's like, it's very easy for us here in, in the Americas to say, oh, those poor, un, um, you know, people in the Amazon who have never been, who have never been in communication, those poor people, until we realize, well, hold up... <laughs> The death of that forest is the death of our medicine. It's the death of our oxygen. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we simultaneously other and like make it an anthropology case, like, yes. oh, those poor mm-hmm. people who are going to lose their culture yes. without referencing the connectedness, the connectedness mm-hmm. which is so yeah. shocking, like yeah. because we've bought into the myth of countries and borders. That's exactly. what I mean. It's like, well, how... How does the United States, what, that artificial line that someone met, like, you know, we are literally talks of, we've created a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico yes. because a hundred years ago, when you say, what were they thinking of in terms of colonization a hundred years ago here? Well, they decided after they toxified the Great Lakes by the meatpacking industry to simply reverse the effluence of the Chicago River so that it flows into the Mississippi watershed adjacent into the farmlands so that percolates into the Gulf of Mexico and they left that strategy which worked to keep Chicago people from dying from drinking polluted water but they killed the Gulf of Mexico (laughs) by allowing this dead zone of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides that industrial ag uses in Mississippi to be mixed with the urban effluence of the meatpacking industry, mm-hmm. and it's an in, it's all invisible because it's a grandfathered in strategy from mm-hmm. early twentieth century. And so why isn't the Gulf of the Mexico? Ocean, you know? Yeah. So why isn't the Gulf of Mexico our response? Yeah. The responsibility. It's very interesting, yeah. Lauren, that you say this because when the BP, it was also in the Gulf of Mexico, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The BP. Mm-hmm. 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 And I was part. In so much has changed, so many places, people like the Bolivian, Eva Morales, and now the coups pulled him down. Mm-hmm. The Ecuador actually passed a constitution on the rights of nature and had a big role in it. And, uh, and then some of the civil society of Ecuador 
asked me and Nimo and four or five of us to come and file a case in their constitutional court. They said, our constitution recognizes rights of nature. Nature has no borders. And therefore, the BP pollution is also our responsibility to challenge. So we filed a case through the constitutional courts of Ecuador on the violation of the rights of nature by British Petroleum. And I think we need more cross-connecting mm-hmm. ways. So, you know, so many people, were, the people were fighting against bio on the neonicotides for the bees. Mm-hmm. Then when the cancer cases started, people started to say, get glyphosate out of our lawns and let get glyphosate out. But everyone was always taking one chemical at a time. Yeah. And three years ago, we launched a poison-free food and farming campaign. So it doesn't matter what the name, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who the community. Yeah. Let's unite, mm-hmm. you know. And so there is a lot of interest. The the community is working in Central Valley, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. justice, and the on social yes. justice. Yes. Uh, the <coughs> students working on glyphosate-free campuses. I address them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Santa Cruz. And Santa Cruz. I mean, I'm yeah. forgetting how many places. <laughs> in a week, just a week. And uh, and so they are very keen to appoint mm-hmm. to do a poison-free California. And and because I think our imagination is our strength, it would be so good to do a a thing. Here are the artificial borders that were put in this year. Right. Here's this. This year, this right. place. This year by this vested interest. This year by and all of these borders are so artificial. You know, and then what would the world look like if we removed these artificial borders mm-hmm. and to, and made them far more eco regions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. we've been trying. It would be we've been very trying to. As an imagination. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to reimagine uh, the the bio region that would exist if we defined the arid west as a network of waterways, sustainable waterways mm-hmm. that were not mm-hmm. harnessed for water and power by the greater municipal areas like LA, you know, Portland, yes. Seattle. Like what would it look like? You know, so so we we've we've started to reimagine that we've formed a new country which I've spoken about at different art events. I called that country Rose because I said who doesn't want to be part of a country called Rose? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and it is based on mapping that was done during the Civil War by um, John Wellesley Powell, who was a one-armed Civil War general who was commissioned by the U.S. government with their colonization strategies to stretch the West from Chicago to the Pacific. So he made a map of the arid West around watersheds. That he's the one who talked yeah. about controlling the rivers, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He, he began by thinking about um, mapping where you could settle without controlling the rivers, but then it was usurped by FDR's strategies. You know, once the railways were built to get silver and gold, that was the real, the real motivation to get to the West was that after the Civil War, when slavery was no longer an exploitable economic driver for cotton, it really tanked the power of the South, and silver mining was coming up at the same time as the next great thing that could keep you know, this new project of the United States 
aggressively growing. So the railways to the west were about bringing silver from the eastern Sierra mm. to the east. Um, and then they needed farms to support the miners and all the rest of it. So the, the mining of the West was the great reason why the whole of the continent, the buffaloes were wiped out, yeah. the Native American um, epistemicide, not just, that they were, not just that they were wiped out, but they killed their knowledge base mm -hmm. with the um, extinction of the buffalo. Mm -hmm. and, the buff and, and, and the entire oak diet, the mm -hmm. acorn diet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these, these questions of like, how do we reboot when the knowledge base, you know, the epistemology of native thinking was another con <coughs> conscious desire to destroy it. Yeah. But I mean, that's where the recognizing ourselves as evolutionary beings uh, also means recognizing that, yes, that particular knowledge was wiped out, but new knowledge has come. I mean, look at the new knowledge you are creating a possibility for, mm -hmm. you know? And that those various um, streams of knowledge, you know, can, can be like a garden of epistemology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? I like that, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would like the thing with gardens is yeah, you can always add the next plant as long as it's not an invasive. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yes. And they cohabit and they work so beautifully. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So my book Soil Not All, uh, Oil tries to connect the climate debate with the soil issue. Mm -hmm. And water wars. I have a lot to try and understand this privatization thrust. So much of it is learning from what happened here. Because that's where privatization began, and your mule track. <laughs> no, I think, you know, communities, we shouldn't call them countries. Yeah. Yes. We should call them communities around water protection and mm -hmm. conservation, communities yes. around biodiversity and pollinator protection, yes. Yes. communities uh, around. The regenerative farms, communities around living economies, yes. you know, that's something I do a lot of. Yeah. Uh, because, and that's where in the discussion on the Green New Deal, the deeper elements are missing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're thinking, okay, let's move people to build solar panels. Well, after a point, the solar panels will be built, and then what? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they're not an ongoing living system. No. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, in a garden or on a farm, yeah. You have to be constantly yes. there. Right. Yes. You know, it's regenerative work. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. which for is which is very much needed. Which is very yes. much needed for yourself and for the land. And it's the way to bring justice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because then the regenerative work doesn't become the bottom of the work no. to be exploited, but the the work that is needed to be done by all. Mm -hmm. We yeah. get rid of that hierarchy. You know. Right. Next time I come, we do a garden. Yes. yes. <laughs> and we do a meeting on a floodplain, you know. Yes. And I think we've got to. At least that's what I've tried to do in India, and that's what I've tried to when we did a journey. Like you did your mule thing, we did a pilgrimage along the Ganges when they tried to privatize the Ganges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's just connect all the communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we weren't sure before we did the journey. 
who's doing what. But by the end of it, we knew there were people fighting against displacement by dams. The religious people fighting against the destruction of their vocations on the Ganges. Mm -hmm. Because we cremate and we bring the ashes. And these people have histories of 80 generations, 90 generations. They can tell you who your ancestors were. Wow. Yeah, and it's all in, in this other epistemology, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the farmers who were going to lose their water for the city. And in the city, we joined the slums and the rich communities to say to the rich communities, would you like more water? at the cost of your brothers and sisters mm. were poor. Mm. And so we created water democracy. Mm-hmm. And, the, and we had Muslims marching with us because we knew that over time they're going to turn the Ganges in being sacred for the Hindus and therefore the Muslims are anti, you know? Because they do this all the time. They've done it with the cow. Mm-hmm. They've killed people on the cow. And the latest they're wanting to do is what was I reading out here, Mary? One is they're importing GMO feed from people governed their livestock. They had fairs. They could take their animals too. All that is illegal. The communities here, the dispersed, you know, drugs are a big problem. Mm-hmm. Guess who made heroin? Buyer. <laughs> they call the aspirin makers. And they call it heroin because it made people feel like a hero. Oh. Yeah. So this is available on the website of Navdanya International, which is okay. our, you know, the Europe-based group. Mm-hmm. You can just download it. Okay. We need animal feed from America. GMO oh God! Feed. And it's not been allowed. We fought it, you know. And the next step they want is, but we don't really need bullocks because we're going to be a world of big tractors. <laughs> And so we must have, we must import technologies sure. from America on female-only offspring. So wow. we only have dairy cows in big factory farms. I oh. mean, that's... Like so, killing off the... So they're taking the, the cow yeah. and putting her into a detention center. Oh. In the land of the sacred cow, oh, no. in the name of protecting the sacred cow. Oh, no. You know? It's unbelievable. So I really feel these joinings, no? Yeah. Would help. Mm. Yeah help the energy yeah absolutely it, it's and so people important. will will be able to imagine much more than they can within their limited context mm-hmm. yes. yeah yes. one both looking back for history how did we all come to be here and looking forward into a world how do we get out of this yeah and what are the communities we belong to mm-hmm. but defined by nature mm-hmm. and defined by the earth right and not by greed and divisive power that experiment alone mm-hmm. of rewriting the world. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know, I'd be happy to come here and do a bit of it, but then you can continue and, you know, over time as the young people work on the poison free, mm-hmm. they can join. The water movements mm-hmm. can come into it, but then we give the message. I mean, the advantage of my being like a pollinator Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I have the capacity to just spread yes. Yes. very fast. That's huge. Yes. just worked on on the movement for poison for Europe. We have a campaign to save the bees and the farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They said before they make it look like protecting the bee is destroying the farmer, mm-hmm. we'll do it as one campaign. 
that agribusiness destroys both. You know? So they're going to do a referendum and they're going to take this to, uh, to Parliament, to the Commission. So they're going to have a balance. But I think just rewriting the future, uh, avoiding the future in the detention camp, Mm-hmm. and the genocide that will be necessary but creating the future mm-hmm. avoiding the six mass extinction flipping the metaphor of the fear based uh, economy right yes. exactly mm-hmm. that yeah. metaphor needs to be flipped yes. mm-hmm. because there are too many fear of is a very powerful <coughs> you know Absolutely, even yeah. this ecofam fascism is being fed by fear mm-hmm. because a lot of our friends are accepting more violence against the earth in the name of protecting one element. So I have a dear friend in England, and he is known as a big ecologist. He just wrote a piece saying the problem is people on the land, and the problem is food. So we must now accept to eat fake food made through genetically engineered microbes in giant vats and giant factories to provide solutions to climate. Wow. Because he, he doesn't know how the world, world works. He yeah. has no and idea how, how grass can come up. Right. In that yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know food Where did he go to school? Yeah. 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 And li- uh, abundance from life. From life. You know? It yeah. can only come yeah. from living systems. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's and also like reconnecting our, like for our way our inherited way of being here, at least here, is uh, take, 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 no give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every active economy. Somehow we need a new feedback loop for Mother Nature. Yeah. She needs to get something out of each interaction. So this is what we are doing at home, huh? So this is how I describe the poison maker. This is mm-hmm. poison cartel. The poison cartel. The hat is an ivory farben hat. Yes, yes. And because I'm sure among the this guy wants to collect rents from knowledge, you know, by reducing it to data, and then selling the data back after data mining. Just today, there's a news item: India is letting him control the data mining in India from farmers. So, because you know, you sell that as a name, like Microsoft patented <coughs> everything. So it is, it is epistemic decolonization, no? Yes. But from what we say is, this is a very unstable system. It can collapse at any time. So that giving back to nature, this is our philosophy and our work. Yes, circular. Circular. Yes. But then, Gandhi had talked about. I don't see the world as a pyramid where the top crushes the bottom that supports it. But ever expanding, never ascending oceanic circles. That where every person is a circle unto themselves. You know? And these circles spread and embrace more and more. And this idea of ever expanding and never ascending is the alternative to that pyramid waterways being um, left untouched but I didn't know about the articulation of the it, notion that water is a common yeah it's, it's in my book water wars okay I, I'm gonna I check that out but it has been used by many regions of Italy yeah to fight privatization okay to keep, to keep it in the commons and they even have a, had a, 
Italian referendum that water can't be turned to a commodity. But the commons was really the part of the land where the farm peasants could do what they want to and was not controlled by the feudal lord. Okay, so it was the beyond reverse. feudalism. And it took them two centuries to enclose this land. There were fights. You remember what Guy Fawkes and all of that history yeah. of England yeah. Yeah. was basically rebellion against the enclosures of the commons. Yeah. yeah. So they, it took them 200 years and hundreds of laws to complete this process. There was rebellion at every time. The reason I know this is I have a big section in our democracy, but when the British tried to enclose the forests in India, yeah. they were trying exactly the same. So I went back to read what they did in England with the land. And, um, and you know, my beginning was with Chipko, the movement to hug the trees. So a lot of my early work was in the forest question. So the commons were was, was what was collectively right. held, not by the pe individual peasant, but by the peasant community. So what they managed together would then also be how much will be under pasture, how much will they leave under trees, etc. So when the in rise of industrialism and capitalism created the possibility of, before they created the empire of cotton, uh, basically to have industrial wool production, mm -hmm. in, um, wool and fabric production, so they started to put more and more, sh they enclosed the commons to take it away from the peasants for providing their own needs to putting sheep. And that's where the feudal lords had a contest between the community rights to the commons and the feudal rights overall, yeah? Mm -hmm. And they enclosed the commons. The, and they put sheep. So who was it, which is the author? who's written something, some book he's written. Sheep eat men in that period, you know? And even the Scotland clearances, the Highland clearances of Scotland were to remove the peasants and put sheep. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if my book Earth Democracy has a very large section on the common because the publisher wanted mm -hmm. me to talk about it and I have a little but my I have a fad book which I think is out of print called Ecology and Politics of Survival. Charles Clay Doyle. Is that right? Sheep eat men? Sheep eat yeah. Oh wait, sheep eating men I guess no, that comes from Virgil. Oh. Virgil originally they're saying um had said that sheep eating men It might have been quoted to describe what was happening when sheep for raw material of wool mm -hmm. yeah. were put on the land to displace the peasants. It is the first organized displacement. Mm. Well, created the proletariat and yeah. the United Kingdom yeah. that's why yeah. London became the city. Exactly, exactly. So I think the, you know, the idea that commons goes with feudalism, I know it's, it's common goes with life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, seed is a commons, water is a commons, air is a commons, you know? And I always call pollution of the air, the enclosures of the atmospheric commons. I've described uh, climate change as a double enclosure. You first take what was common and pour your pollutants into it without permission. And then you take the impacts and then you say, oh, now let's trade in emissions. 
<laughs> it doesn't work. It's failed. But now they want, okay, the Trade and Atmospheric Commission's failed, so people have done enough work on the soil mm -hmm. that this has worked, mm -hmm. so let's now start trading in soil carbon. So if you're an organic farmer, we won't give you dignity, we won't give you respect for your being a nourisher of life. We will come and measure and police you on how much carbon you have in your soil. And we'll trade it with a polluter. Wow. So he can maintain his polluting. Wow. Green capitalism. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. It's our, uh, and the financialization of nature. Mm -hmm. A growth model of grossness. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called gross national product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ungross about it. I'm doing a dictionary of yes. economic terms. Good! Good. That would be really helpful because like things yeah. like commons, you know, when you, when, you, when you get a water right and you say, well, what, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, well, what it means in this specific context and you're, you're sitting under the framed agreement of my water right. Oh, it's so oh. complex. Yeah, it is. It's super complex. Um, is that all of the water that everybody gets through pipes in Los Angeles is has been colonized by um, one distributor mm -hmm. that's called a department like los angeles department of water and power so i'm i'm the first individual in la to be legally sanctioned to distribute water besides how did you do that how did i do that <laughs> well <laughs> i applied for a private water right it's you apply in the state of california so, and that was their recommendation because basically I, I requested the ability to lift water up that was going out to sea, uh, cleanse it, and give it for free to the park. And they didn't think I could get th through the 70 uh, permits that were required to drill two small holes into a concrete jacket to move the water. And then I did. And so they called me and they said, well, congratulations, but you do know that if you lift the water that's going out to sea and cleanse it, you're going to have to pay for it to give it away. So they, they said that it would still belong to them, even though they've thrown it away. If they have I, to be the rent collectors. Right? And I said, yeah. well, okay, that's not going to work out because this is supposed to be a replicatable model. So it's only going to be replicable in my situation, not in anybody else's. So there's got to be another way. And they sort of said, well, just apply for a water right. So I said, well, how do I do that? And they said, we'll send you a link. So they sent me a link to the California State Water Boards, which currently gives away water rights in the state of California, mostly to industrial ag. So a lot of the date farmers and a lot of the pot farmers, they are getting their water through private water rights, but there aren't any in the city. So I applied, just like everybody else, to the California State Water Boards, and I got lucky because the person who was retiring from being the chair of the California State Water Boards is a water activist named 
Fran Spivey Weber, who was the person who had started the Mono Lake Committee. Her, she comes from a nonprofit background. And she had known about the work that I've been doing in this area. And she just thought it would be a good idea to explore the possibility that I was suggesting. Basically, in this blighted part of the world, if you could sustain an urban forest, why wouldn't you? What's the negative with a wastewater product? So she managed to leverage her last action into a private water right. That's in 2015, I still haven't finished dealing with the bureaucrats. We've only been able to lay three sections of pipe in the ground. And then at the end of that, I, when I met the floodplain, said to them that I wouldn't continue the project until I reapplied because they wanted to put a petroleum product. They, want the, they wanted the pipe that went into the ground to be a, a plastic petroleum-based pipe. And I feel that that will degrade the floodplain as it deteriorates. So I'm having to reapply this year with a terracotta pipe that I've sourced in near Sacramento at an old foundry called Gladding McBean. And all of the bureaucrats were saying, it's impossible. There's no other pipe that can uh -huh. go in there except for this pipe. And I'm like, uh, hello, there's 2,000 years of experience <laughs> putting like ceramic into mm -hmm. the ground. Like, why is there no ceramic pipe? Only to discover that not only is there ceramic pipe, but it's manufactured in California and is currently the pipe that's used in Manhattan is made here and shipped out there. Wow. So these like ridiculous micro games. Rules. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, so what yeah. I'm saying to you is no, like, this is where the that, citizenship that little, is that You little... have to prove you live here. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to prove you're Indian. Yeah. Uh -huh. And how do you have to prove? By knowing what your grandmother's birthplace and date of birth was. An impossible task for most people. And how do you tell this story so that it's interesting? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, again, it's going to take me another year to get back in the river. But what I'm learning in that year is how to speak for and cultivate the floodplain, right. where to put it, how much I'm going to have, where to put it, to understand, because I'm going to bring the pipes in this year for Earth Day so that people can get used to visualizing the amount of earth mm -hmm. that's going back in the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's yeah. ancient but skills. Me, if you did this, how come others don't do Well, it? first of all, they, they ex-nominate the yeah. ex themselves by assuming it's not possible, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't mm -hmm. get told by a, a colonized mind doesn't free itself, mm -hmm. doesn't even free its imagination to consider it. Right? Yeah. So and you also, just assumed what people who I talk to, they'll say to me, well, what can I do? I said, if Albert Einstein said that everybody contains genius, right? The question is when you hear your, in the back of your mind what you can do, that's your genius. Yeah. Go do it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the colonized mind won't listen to what their genius is. Yeah. So I think, you know, this precedent where I'm saying, Look, what, it's so easy. You have all of this water, even in the hottest time of the year, running out to sea, dirty, partly cleansed, polluting the sea, 
What if you took a small part of it, lifted it, cleansed it in wetlands, made pollinator corridors through that cleansing, and then distributed it to a network of externalized wells we call trees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, that they, so that they can sequester carbon and give off oxygen. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Why wouldn't everybody do it? Mm-hmm. Well, just getting that done is to show people it's not so hard. So, you know, the, like people will want to make it look more complicated than it is to celebrate the monumental uh, endurance feat performance, this per- endurance-based performance, yeah. like talk about 100 mules being an endurance-based <laughs> performance. <laughs> like we're talking about now seven years of permitting and to constantly go to these bureaucrats and say, no, I will not put petroleum pipes in the ground, even after six years of permitting because I know that it will degrade and retoxify the floodplain. And what I'm seeing is that she's pure and untouched Mm -hmm. and ready to give life again. Mm -hmm. So after all this, you're asking me to just get the job done? Won't do Mm -hmm. it. And then when they see that I'm actually not bullshitting, that I will not do it, then all of a sudden they start redesigning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, yeah, maybe we can do it. So (laughs) now we have to go through another cycle of permits but you know how do you tell that story and ultimately all of that will be underground Mm -hmm. it's an underground monument Mm -hmm. so maybe that year is the time where you stack the pipes on the site and you teach people um, what you're doing and why so that at least the story that's back to the epistemicide Mm -hmm. you reboot the story the narrative of the place becoming with a small group of people that will make it part of their narrative in their own way, in their own language, at their own time and pace. But it's a a very different approach to making things, both on an engineering side. Like those engineers aren't going to think the same after dealing with me because they haven't met people who are like saying, you know, it actually does matter what you put into the ground. Like... This has long-term, long-term consequences, yeah. right? And I know that, and so do you if you really ask yourself. Mm-hmm. But you're being paid, you're being rewarded to solve, solve a problem on time, on budget, right? right? At the lowest cost. Yeah. And that's part of that growth modality that we need to challenge exactly. and say, is this the right thing for this job at yeah. this moment? Yeah. I think Roxanne's also making lunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh, this narrative has been so complicated, but it's worth pursuing because it's creating things that are practices that others can replicate. It's not you know I've never accepted being um, uh, making this as a function of privilege. Yeah. So, you know, if they let me to do it because I can lay capital, what I say philanthropically to, you know, my, my board has been incredibly generous about the amount of resources they've put into this inquiry. And I will tell them it's proto-philanthropy. You're putting capital into the metabolic studio, which is going to give away water instead of capital. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're transforming yeah. philanthropy to be something where we're giving water away, but not for free. We're giving it 
a way for knowledge exchange, yes. mm -hmm. saying we will share this without the resource of money being exchanged. Mm -hmm. But as long as you re reduce your harm to the world <laughs> by changing your patterns of treating the landscape, and so they'll say, well, we can't, we can't do that because we're part of a bureaucracy and we can't do that for one park unless we do that for all. Mm -hmm. So we had to go to the whole California state park system, mm -hmm. the largest state park system in the United States. And they agreed to change all of their maintenance rules on no herbicides, pesticides, on fungicides. Really? Yes. yes. Now this is not even known. Really? No. 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 Because so, I don't even know how to tell the story. No, we don't even know. Like, we tell it together. Most people, well. if I go to a dinner party, they're like, oh, God, I got to go. <laughs> 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 this is you know, because they, they buy the tap water right. Right. and the fancy bottle. label. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. From Nestle. Yeah. There was an interesting study done. No, some restaurant had all these very expensive labels, mm -hmm. and and the more expensive it was, the more people would spend mm -hmm. and buy. And then at the end of it, they said it's just tap water. Yeah. A group in California. Yeah. No, let's let's amplify this. it can be very much part of the Poison Free California story. about your newsletter no we could put right. this as part and that 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 incentivizes other people because yes. i think most people just look at me and they go man she's got endurance you know yeah. Yeah. but but the thing is it's because they don't understand the micro changes that are happening are significant yes. because without understanding like the, mm -hmm. the micro changes yeah Right. And they're all invisible. Like you, you know, you unless you know what those guys in hazmat suits spraying Ugh, the yeah. parks are spraying, uh -huh. you just think, oh, it's just landscaping. Thank God no. we have and a park. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank God we have a park. You know. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's like, why is she attacking the nice park that we mm -hmm. didn't have before? You know. So it's like it the co the complexity of the story requires like a way to tell it because mm -hmm. people's attention span is very short. Mm -hmm. So if it's a long story and a complex story that doesn't have any visual, <laughs> because again, I can't control what they do with their landscape yeah. yet. I am trying to negotiate um, the, the you know, post-apocalyptic scenario, which is that in the case that it's needed, we want to grow food and medicine on this land. Because right now it's illegal for anybody to grow food or medicine on public park. Mm -hmm. You might say, why? <laughs> because people... It's part of the apartheid. Yes. Because, and this is where, you know, this essay I've written on George Mobio, and yeah. so we've got to rewild our food, we've got to rewild the land, yes. and we've got to rewild our gut, yes. because all disease Absolutely. is coming yeah. from the destruction of the gut mm -hmm. microbiome. Mm -hmm. And you want to do exactly what's happened with industrial agriculture, right. hyper-industrialization of food, as a solution to the problem. So, you know, the way in this land, because so much of everything was first taken, right? And then there was a people starting to worry about nature. And they said, okay, let's pull out the remaining human beings mm -hmm. and define the wild as where humans are not. Right. Yeah. Rather yeah. than the wild mm -hmm. where humans 
and nature sure. co-evolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, the work we have to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that a river yeah. flowing free mm-hmm. is dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're trying it with the Yamuna in Delhi. But a tamed river with cement which will cause more floods no. mm-hmm. is controlled. You know, illusion of control. It's also a huge illusion of control. Mm-hmm. So, it's that apartheid that began against the people, then was put as a defense of nature, and is being deepened in the issue of nature, even while the destroyers continue to dismantle even what little was protected, like your national park mm-hmm. law. And I think if we can tell this story, oh, we are wild. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, we are part of the wild. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. we as humans have to rewild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think people are waiting for a different way mm-hmm. to live in this world. Yes. Mm-hmm. And think about the world. And if Lauren, you could just do a short thing. We put in you, then all the students of California will get this. They yeah. realize yeah. they yeah. might be fighting yeah. for, uh, on their lawns, but the parks have, res- you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we add it all up, that adding yeah. is what yes. adds the energy. Yeah. 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 You know? It's like a quilt, you yes. know. It is. Yeah, Mary's made a very beautiful quilt <laughs> <laughs> with all the colors from Indonesia, right? Yes. Yeah. Very, that's very another, beautiful. Another thing. But I think in doing this work, um, we were talking with the students at UC Santa Cruz and they were saying, but I feel alone, I'm all by myself, what do I do? And the point is, when you do the work, you're going to find, you're never alone. Mm -hmm. And you find unexpected allies as you begin to share and get the story out. And that's what I think is very important to do also. Plus, the mycelium network. It's the underground underground network that, you know, Uh we're all all already connected. That's why we keep running into each other. That's right. It's, you know, Resource so finds its mm-hmm. network, very true. and and if uh-huh. you trust that, yeah, you know, and also we can't waste our time trying to, I can't waste my time, and I think many of us can't, mm-hmm. trying to educate people who are not open. Right. Like That's it has right. to be, we have to build the network mm-hmm. with people who are looking for the knowledge. Yes, and then build the build through attraction rather than mm-hmm. promotion, mm-hmm. because promotion's connected to the last ideology that's failing. Yeah. So advertising, promotion, yeah. all of that, you're just kind of yeah. Yeah. like, you yeah. know, don't mm-hmm. want it. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I'm, it's not just that the story doesn't get out because, you know, I'm, I think that when I, I'm getting better at telling the story to students in university settings and talks and then using that to form videos. And, but I mean, like to build on actual practice and to allow people's individual wild to go wild mm-hmm. you know to to not own the franchise <laughs> to be to not be the the um the style to not not be the styler to be the resource mm-hmm. to yeah. co-resource right yeah. so that yeah. everybody becomes their own mm-hmm. attractor yes. to the yeah what we're trying to do here. because there's uh, you know this whole issue of being the promoter yeah is what has killed the potential of so many NGOs yeah. Yeah. Yes. to be agents of change yes. because they get so busy defending turf, yeah. you know, and competing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they want them. And For their brand. And dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Scarcity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scarcity. Mm-hmm. Scarcity. Mm-hmm. 
and also it's it's very hard to have half measures you know like in the art world when I participate and like at the Venice Biennale last year which was all talk about environment it it wasn't really authentic it was another product everybody wanted to be the curator who represents like art for the environment so that the same collectors who were last year buying something that had nothing to do with the environment are buying artists that are working on the environment. It makes them feel but, better about the art they collect. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. it isn't like, you realize, whoa, you know, half measures is, it's worse. <laughs> like because there's it lets you fool yourself and others. Into effective behavior. Yeah. And it's painful because you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to self-marginalize. Like I'm going to have to self-marginalize in order to be in my full weirdness, right? <laughs> because that's where the power is, yeah. right? The yeah. power to step out because you can, right? Mm-hmm. You yes. can sustain that yeah. is a power position that is not based on privilege. It's based on anti-fear strategy. Like, mm-hmm. I will not be afraid yeah. that I will be forgotten. Yes. Yeah. But people need to see people like that, you know, yeah, to go, oh, right. like, yeah. okay, like, that's actually possible. Didn't yeah. think about that. And there's a whole group of those mm-hmm. people who come here on Thursday nights to, you know, do like crickets. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, like everybody's doing their little cricket sounds on their own, you know, but it turns into an orchestra, you know, and that, that's what we're trying to catalyze here. Lunch is ready? Yeah, on that note. Do you have time to... S- to have, to have so much? I think well, Mary knows yeah. the timing. A little bit. D- yes, you know, driving do. here is not by miles, it's by time. It exactly. is. Exactly. The last Perfectly five miles okay. took. <laughs> yeah, the last five miles. Half, half, half an hour. Yes. Half an hour. Half an hour. Downtown. That's, yeah. That's yeah. 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 Downtown. It came on on the 101. Okay. Oh. So, so Mary knows where we have to get next. From yes. Santa Barbara. Okay. So, yes. yeah. yeah, Mary lives in Santa Barbara. She was the vice chancellor of Santa Barbara campus for the international affairs. I retired, but then she picked me up. (laughs) (laughs) We've been friends since 85. Mary was in Mount Holyoke, and I came to do the 150 years Uh, of of the, Mount Holyoke. Right. And and in the in the archives I was reading something about the big debates that took place. Well, I'll tell you about the 150th anniversary celebration. Another colleague of mine had insisted that we have Vandana come and talk about women's education worldwide. So the person preceding Vandana was somebody from the World Bank or UN Development Program or something, giving this very standardized speech. And Vandana actually arrived, I think, they were having a banquet before. She arrived about dessert time (laughs) and then got delayed or something. And she said, what do you want me to say? And we said, be yourself, say, I don't know if you remember this, but Jean and I do. And we said, just say what you're going to say. Yeah. And so she got up and she dismantled everything. (laughs) (laughs) Undeveloped World Bank. (laughs) That was brilliant. And so the stage was set for the rest of the conference. While you were talking, I'm thinking, yeah. You know, in those days, there used to be an airline <laughs> called Pan Am. Oh, yeah. yes. 
I flew Pan Am and Pan Am at this big terminal. Yeah. And then it went. But reading the archives, you know, yeah. it's interesting. They were debating about can women study to go higher education. And I don't know whether it was about Mount Holyoke or Smith, but one of the girls' colleges, they're saying, no, if women study, their brains will grow and their uterus will shrink. Yes. <laughs> that, that's how mechanical the thinking was, you know? It's a machine where one part grows at the cost of the other. That was in 1837 when she founded the college. Wow. Mount Holyoke. Oh my God, there's Smith, only so many so. cavities that yeah. can come Right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Eugenics. Yeah. 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 Maybe one of your team come for this one month course we do. Yeah, the A to Z of biodiversity agroecology. Definitely, you know? yes. because that's you know the it's the studio is the farm. Yeah, and we have all of those seeds with how two thousand yeah. crops we grow. Yeah. yeah, and they learn everything about the living seed. The yeah. way I do it is the living seed, the living soil, the living plants and food. Yeah, and living economies. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Let's let's do that. Let's I would I would love to do that, especially with some of the people here that are othered. Yeah. Let, so don't I'll have send access a deeper to... write up on on this. Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, we'll also send a soft copy to you of the calendar. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, and after this course, we're going to do a. We I do an annual Earth Festival. Yeah. And we pick a radical theme. Yeah. Uh, that kind of addresses. The issues. Yeah. So right now we've got this fascist government, yeah. who's made Ram the big warrior, okay? but he was married to a woman called Sita, and the greeting in India used to be Sita Ram. They made it Shri Ram with a sh- shout. They've torn down a mosque to build a temple. Big, it's big issue, big killings, killings over this. And the lovely thing about Sita was she was born of the earth. Okay. She was found in a furrow, oh, wow. in a field. And, uh, and then, of course, she got married to Raman, but they were exiled. And so the rest of her life she spent in a forest. And so we're going to talk of Sita, of the earth, and our festival will be wild foods. Oh, because that's yeah. what she ate. And Abundant. our dinner will be wild foods. And then we have three days of celebration on the farm, back on the farm, on uh, Diverse Women for Diversity. And uh, our bread is our freedom, and women come from all over and make their kind of food, you know? They're so different. When is that happening? Uh, on 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Of, of, October. October. of October. Okay. After so this the, course. Yeah. Oh, that's the our birthday. Is it is. September. We should go this year. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Both of us have a birthday. I'm uh, right then. I'm three. And I'm two. Oh, oh my you're gosh. Gandhi. Yes, I am. Oh, we, we do all this because of Gandhi's birth anniversary. Ah, and the discourse that's been created in India now maybe because we should shoot them, shoot them mm-hmm. is they shot Gandhi. Yeah. Yeah. Because he refused to become part of the hate mm-hmm. and constantly lived and celebrated love. So they shot him dead and people are saying, you know, it's once again, Godse was the killer. 
the one who shot. And he was a follower of the ideology of the group that's li- ruling the country right now. Yeah. Oh. So there's, there's a God saying here and there's a God in India. And you've got to defend the God. Oh, and wow. I, I didn't yeah. realize there was such polarity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was terrible. Because these guys, our current guys, used to read Hitler, their teachers. And the books they wrote at that time was, we have to become like Hitler. We have to be the superior. They couldn't say race, but re- religion. We have to turn the Muslims in the, into the outcasts and secondary citizens. And they worked on it from the 30s. To, you know, when, got, when Hitler started to write, they all used to read his book. What is it called? Mein Kampf. Kampf. used to read his book. Mm-hmm. And they, they, their training is like shorts mm-hmm. and military kind of training. And they've had youth camps bringing they youth did, in. The Rashtriya so yeah. and they trained the millions staff. into this hate ideology. Yeah. And now they have power They're in, yeah. in political power. And their statement is, but we are elected, so we can do anything. You know? Yeah. We are elected to disenfranchise you. And then one of them even said, Hitler was also elected. It's democracy. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs>